This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Well, well, well. Cam Poitras not available for duty this afternoon. Kelly Moore sitting in as Cam's on vacation. And uh, shout out to Tyson the Torpedo Rewicki. Uh, for a great job and uh, co-hosting with Jim Toth during Cameron Poitras's absence, I hope you were nice to the young man. I was. I voyage. was not. I made him get me coffee, and oh, Toth, I, every day we would sit down in here, and the producer would say, "You ready?" And I would say to Forchego, "What's he doing here? Who's this guy?" Just like on that, "Who's this guy?" No, I was. He was great. I didn't know his nickname was Torpedo, though. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Torpedo no. Tyson Torpedo. I might be the only one that uh, that refers to him as that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so from you know going forward, he's Tyson the Torpedo. There we go. It's, yeah, and so it is written. Yeah. Speaking of writing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, coming up on the on the second half of Jets at Noon, we're going to go to Boston. Our good friend Joe Haggerty of Boston Hockey Now is going to join us because it's been probably in these dog days of late July and early August, the most activity has been in Beantown uh, with the retirement of Patrice Bergeron last week. And what a what an oratory, speaking of writing, uh, that the former Bruins captain yeah. uh, put together in typical Patrice Bergeron fashion. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jeremy Swayman and the team uh, exchanged numbers in arbitration. Uh, and now Trent Frederick has avoided arbitration by accepting a, a two-year deal, as reported by Elliot Friedman earlier. So we'll get the latest uh, from uh, the guy who's known as Hockey with Hags uh, on his... Uh, now, is it a Twitter account or is it an X account now? Uh, I don't know. Like, I see the X now and I get X notifications and I'm like, have I been canceled or something? So I don't I don't know what's <laughs> going on. I don't follow it too much Twitter. I, I'm on, uh, Kelly, I'm on it every day, but... I saw like a week ago people were going, so is it called X now or what is it? Does Musk still own it? I don't even know. Did he sell it? Or I have no idea yeah, what's I don't going know. on there. I, it just, uh, you know, it, it, it's still a resource to some degree, you know, for uh, those of us who uh, who kind of like to follow uh, Well, for along. people like Joe Haggerty. I mean, that's, uh, that's the reason I do it is I follow all these other reporters and see what's going on. And then we put out our show lineups. But yeah. For sure. The yeah. rest of it's, uh, I find the odd thing on there amusing, but yeah. not too much. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We we do want you to participate uh, at 204-780-6868. And we're going to start off today. And and I mentioned the dog days of late July and August. We're trying to come up with some creative things uh, that we're not talking about the same old, same old every day. And uh, while I was driving across uh, Western Canada, returning uh, from a holiday uh, in my native province of British Columbia, I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool to go through all the lineups of current NHL teams and just see how many Manitoba-born players there are in the in the show right now? And could you ice a competitive lineup with said players? Uh, well, first of all, there's well, even if we're going to include, uh, and I think we are coaches in front office. Okay, there's no. there's five here. Right now in the province, that just finished having a kind, kind of a week and a half to themselves that that would probably make the list yeah. um, with their Stanley Cup celebration. And, so and I, a guy you, who celebrated a Stanley Cup not long ago. Yeah, so, <laughs> and when you, so when you brought this up, I thought this is a great idea because, yeah. uh, I mean, one of the few things I disagree with, but a lot of Jets fans do, is think they need more Manitoba flavor, Western flavor on the Jets. But the other thing is, is can you actually put an entire roster together of Manitoba players? And 
Um, like it, it's a good time to be a Manitoban with with the number of ones in the National Hockey League and specifically on the Stanley Cup winners. Uh, just got our first text, uh, and I've been bounced. Uh, the the uh, I'm not sure who uh, the name of it is. Dylan. Dylan wants to know where is Ross the boss Levitan. He's, he's, uh, he's Dylan's favorite. He's working <laughs> feverishly in the newsroom right now, Dylan. If uh, he's down uh, you the want hall. the accurate information, yeah. Ross, uh, if you're listening, uh, yeah, Dylan well, says hi. Yeah, and Dylan says, God, I wish you were in this chair instead <laughs> of that old fossil moor. Okay, so let's uh, let's uh, go through this. And, and you know what? Here's where I want participation in case there's anybody that I might have missed. Right. Uh, but we'll start with the coach, the pride of Flynn Flon, Dean Evison who's the bench boss uh, currently of the Minnesota Wild. All of these have to be, uh, you know, names of people who are currently working in the NHL or on rosters, okay? okay. We can't go back, you know, to the Trevor Kids, the Theo Furs, right, that yeah. sort of thing, okay? Uh, the general manager, we mentioned, you know, a guy who's just celebrated a Stanley Cup uh, title recently, five years ago, but th- that's recent. Uh, Barry Trotz, now the general manager of the Nashville Predators. So Dean Evison coaching, Barry Trotz is the general manager. And, of course, it wasn't that long ago. Dean Evison was coaching in Milwaukee yeah. uh, when Trotsy was still in Nashville, uh, the parent team of the, the uh, Admirals. Not a bad uh, Dean Evanson. I still Now, I, I used to know Dean from uh, his days coaching the Western Hockey League. I knew Dean from his days when he played. Yeah, when, when, he, when he was a player. But um, you know, I, Dylan's I, not uh, not far off wanting Ross. <laughs> when I when I hear Dean's name, all I think about now is that deadpan look at Rick Bonus and then the wave. Come on over. Yeah. During the heated battle between the Wild and the Jets this year, come on over if you want. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I would have Dean Evanson as my head coach, or Evanson, Barry Evanson, Evanson, yeah. or uh, Barry Trotz as my GM. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with. There. Uh, okay, Joel Hofer is your goaltender. Okay, uh, and and it'll be interesting to see how much he plays this year behind Jordan Bennington with the Blues. Uh, and then, do you go as the backup with you? You only have two choices: Chris Dreger, who's still recovering from that knee injury with the Seattle Kraken from the what was it, the 2022 World Championships. Julie Buckingham's favorite goalie. Yes, uh, James Reimer who signed with Detroit as a free agent. So those, you know, I guess you'd have to pretty well go with Reimer, especially, you know, after you remember the way he played in the two of those three games against the Winnipeg Jets this past season. Right. I, I go in that order, actually. I go Holfer, a Reimer, and then Dreger and, just and because Dreger, he's yeah. injured. Dreger. Dreger. Yeah. If you mispronounce that, Julie will be all Dreger. over you. Dreger. You know, for a while I was thinking, you know, it might be hard to cobble together a defense, but it actually is not too bad. Uh, you know, I, I would suspect on your number one pair, you'd go with Ryan Pollock of Grandview, who, of course, plays for the New York Islanders, uh, and Zach Whitecloud uh, of the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. Not a bad tandem. Yeah. Uh, for your number two tandem, uh, Damon Severson, uh, who was born in Brandon, grew up in Saskatchewan, but you know what? He was born in Brandon. He's a Manitoba. Uh, and he would pair up with Travis Sanheim of, of Alcorn. I don't mind that pairing either at all. Okay. And then for your third pairing, you could go with either Travis Hammond, you know, a couple of real, you know, solid veterans, Travis Hammond and Joel Edmondson, or you could go with Minnesota's Kalen Addison uh, in there as well, Ooh. depending on who the opponent was. 
I'm a big fan of Kalen Addison's game. Yeah. I think yeah. he's going to put up a ton of points with Minnesota. Great, yeah. More of an offensive gets, defense. Yeah, than, yeah, exactly. And so that's why I think you know, it all depends on the opponent. But, you know, not a bad not a bad seven-man defense court. Where we're a little thin, shall I say, would be up front. So that's why I pulled out my first get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh-oh. Okay? Uh, because there, were on, there are only 11 forwards in the National Hockey League born in Manitoba on current NHL rosters. But two brothers, their mother is from here. So, I like where, I like where so you're going So we're claiming this. territorial rights to the Kachuk brothers, Matthew and Brady. For Manitobans. Our, our Manit- <laughs> Manitobans. Yeah, Brady was born in St. Louis. Matthew was born in Scottsdale, Arizona. But don't let the facts get in the way of They do visit their grandparents here. That counts. Sure. Absolutely they do. Yeah. Yeah. So... So we're, we're going to put Matthew and Brady Kachuk with the pride of Sonny St. James, Mark Stone. Ooh, that's a line. That is a line, isn't it? Oh, that is a line and a half. I like that. And then because of their, their well, no, I, I still think you, you have to go with Seth Jarvis of the, of the Carolina Hurricanes, Winnipeg-born Max Domi, now of the Toronto Maple Leafs, on your second line. And I'm going to go with Cody Glass of Nashville to round out my my second line. So those those are your top six: the Kajak brothers with Mark Stone, and then Cody Glass, Seth Jarvis, and uh, Max Domi. I don't mind that. That's not a bad top six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cody for, Glass came around this year, and Seth Jarvis, I think, is yeah. Seth Jarvis, really, I think, is yeah, just yeah, really he's, good. He's coming along nicely for the Hurricanes. There's no doubt about that. For your third line, uh, underrated Connor Dewar of the Minnesota Wild along with Morgan Geeky of the Boston Bruins. And, you know, I've got to go with Brett Howden of Oak Bank from the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. I like that. That's a good grind line, good checking line. Keegan Coldasar, who's at home playing on an effective fourth line, uh, would team up with Wade Allison of the Philadelphia Flyers and add a little sandpaper Ryan Reeves. And so we wanted an extra forward. Even though he is not currently on an NHL roster, he probably will wind up on one unrestricted free agent, Jonathan Taves. And he'll, you know, he'll kind of sub in as the situation is needed. So there, there would be our made in Manitoba lineup. And when Dylan says I'm a I'm a good consolation prize. <laughs> So thank you, Dylan. But Ross the boss is an absolute beauty. He, he is says, yeah, literally yeah. and figuratively a beauty. Yeah. Dave Fiddler said, how about tapes? We got to him, Dave. Don't yeah. worry. But, you know, I, I don't know that uh, the, the Jonathan, uh, you, could, you could put him on your third or fourth lines, but I think he'd be more effective just being around the team. Well, just down the middle, Mark Stone, Domi, Geeky, Colasar, and Taves. I, I know, as you said, Domi was born here. Um it, those are, are four players, Stone, Geeky, Colasar, and Taves, that were born and raised here. And I, I know Domi went away and, and uh, followed his dad's career and stuff like that. But yeah. that that's just, like, it's not just, like you said, the, there's been the odd name that was born here it, and raised in Saskatchewan. It's kind, of a, or, it's kind of a cross between the old Washington Capitals expansion <laughs> teams and, and Vegas and Seattle now. But, but uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to do this. You know, Kelly, this is, uh, I love this idea because I think it's a great talker and everybody's going to well, weigh I, in. I, I, an unknown texter, I, I, because all I get is a phone number <laughs> 
disagrees. Terrible show. <laughs> um, Can't please everybody. No. Yeah. But uh, it's fascinating to me to see just how deep Manitobans are. Like, we saw the the, the bloodlines from the province to the Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights. When you actually put this on paper and see how much talent has come out yeah. of the province, there there's a there's a lot. In, yeah. and, in and there's a 32 more on the way. league team. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is an entire roster of NHL yeah. talent that's from our province. We had to stretch it a little bit with the Kachuk brothers, but uh, you know we're we're claiming territorial uh, exemptions on uh, on those two guys because their mother won't argue that at all. No, their mom would. She's love a proud yeah, Manitoban. I think she'd love that for sure. A reminder: in the uh, second half hour, we're going to be talking with uh, Joe Haggerty of Boston Hockey now here on Jets at Noon. Jets at Noon on six eight CJOB. Kelly Moore sitting in for Cameron. Poitras, and of course, uh, the chair usually occupied by Jim Toth is occupied uh, by Jim Toth for this Tuesday, August 1st edition of Jets at Noon. And while it is traditionally the quietest time of the hockey offseason right now, from about the middle of July till near the end of August, things uh, tend to uh, slow down a little bit. But we do have some arbitration hearings that. Uh, keep things uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, and uh, one of the teams that was involved in a couple of them would be the Boston Bruins. Uh, just recently, Jeremy Swayman, as a matter of fact, at his hearing, uh, exchanged the numbers uh, with the team on July the 30th, which would have been last Thursday, uh, no, Sunday, rather. Uh, and uh, just today, Trent Frederick was scheduled to go to arbitration but wound up settling before the hearing. And uh, for the latest on that, uh, for all matters uh, with the Boston Bruins, uh, we always like to check in with our good friend Joe Haggerty of Boston Hockey. Now, Joe, thanks a bunch for taking time out of your summer slash off-season schedule to do this. Yeah, no problem. There's no uh, there's no summer uh, for most of us hockey writers at this point, even though the, all the executives <laughs> and players and Scouts have all gone to their cottages up in Canada somewhere. We're, we're still grinding away. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I have a, a saying about that, Joe. Some people chop the firewood and some people sit by the fireplace. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are free to make uh, liberal use of that as you see fit, for sure. Uh, well, let, let, let's start with the newest news of the day, and then maybe we'll work back to you know one of the major topics we want to discuss with you, because uh, uh, clearly uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, resonated with everybody uh, with that great retirement speech that he wrote last week. But Trent Frederick, uh, according to reports, coming to an agreement with the Boston Bruins on a two-year deal with an AAV of $2.3 million. Uh, is that kind of what you were expecting, Joe? Yeah, honestly, um, after the Chicago Blackhawks uh, settled with uh, Philip Kurashev for uh, $2.25 million AAV, uh, as soon as that happened, it was pretty much a fait accompli that Frederick was going to be right in that neighborhood. Uh, very comparable players. The numbers stack up next to each other. They're both in similar situations as far as their contracts and you know, where they were uh, as far as being RFAs. So um, it, once that, uh, you know, settlement came down, you kind of knew uh, that's where the Frederick, uh, the Frederick number was going to go. And, and he got a little bit more, but uh, right in that neighborhood of, of Kurashev. And, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit less, uh, maybe around $2 million based on some of the other comparable players earlier on before it got to this point. But once the arbitra- arbitration rulings uh, started coming down, while those can't be used in arbitration hearings, 
they can certainly be used by the teams and the agent to try to find a blueprint to get a deal done. And I, I think that's what happened here. And it's a pretty good number for a player in Frederick that's big, strong, physical, uh, plays a rough style, plays a Boston Bruins style, is a former first-round pick that you know scored a career high in goals last year with 17 and you know still has some room to grow, I think. Uh, moving forward so that's that's about to be expected for him and it's it's a good number for the Bruins and for Frederick I think. Joe good to talk to you again we were we were on the show yesterday and we were just doing the summer thing of okay it's the end of July who's in of the playoffs as of now fully knowing that the next month and even through training camp a lot of things could change for a lot of teams and we were looking at the Bruins and I mean how concerned should Bruins fans be with the way the roster sits as of today August 1st just given the fact last year's team set a record and, and what are the chances in that metropolitan and also in the East for this, this team as it sits right now, how much work needs to be done here? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. We can full, if we can fully sort of scope how much work needs to be done now, because it's going to look so different without Patrice Bergeron there, without David Krejci yeah. there, you know, some and Taylor Hall gone too, some significant changes. But the one thing I would say, and, and I say this knowing that the Atlantic division is significantly better. Obviously, teams like the Wings, Senators, Sabres, you know, some of the teams that have been out of the playoffs traditionally in the last uh, you know, five years are getting better and are starting to sort of claw at that door. Um, and, and it's not necessarily a three-team race in the Atlantic division like it used to be between Tampa, Toronto, and Boston. Um, and you still have to factor in the Metro, obviously, uh, for the eight playoff spots. But I do think the Bruins, as I look at them now, are still a playoff team. Definitely not a Stanley Cup contender as composed. I think they would have to have a significant upgrade at the center position to really, you know, even enter that conversation. But, you know, you're still talking about a team that's got two excellent goaltenders that has Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy at the top of their defenseman core, who are both legit number ones that got, you know, Norris Trophy votes this year. And you're talking about a team that still has Brad Marchand, uh, David Pasternak yeah. and and some other talented forwards. So you're talking about the bones of still a really good team, but the real question with them is going to be how much uh, are Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle going to be able yeah. to sort of hold the fort down as the top two centers? You know, we got a window into it a little bit uh, during the first round playoffs when Krejci and Bergeron were both hurt, and the Bruins were actually up three to one in that series with Zaka and Coyle as their top two centers and did a pretty good job. But that's a, a far cry from doing it for 82 games, and it's going to be interesting to watch how the center position shakes out for the Bruins. Is there a market for Elias Lindholm, Mark Shifley with Boston, and what would the price be going the other way? I understand the Lindholm love for sure if you're a Boston Bruin fan, um, yeah. I, but they don't need any goaltenders. And I don't know what else of a package could be there. Of course, in Winnipeg, all we keep hearing is Shifley for Swayman, Shifley for Swayman, <laughs> um, which kind of makes sense. But then I also think that if I'm the Bruins and I'm going in this newer direction, it's Linus Allmark that even though he's one of Vesna, I'm the one sort of shopping. What are you hearing around everything to do with line, uh, Shifley and the Bruins and potentially a goaltender? Yeah, I mean, look, I think if the Bruins are going to make a deal of that kind of magnitude, um, they are going to pro- they're going to deal from positions of strength um, in order to make that deal happen. And they've already dealt Taylor Hall for salary cap space, so they've already weakened their front uh, end, you know, their forwards group. So with the the depth and everything else, they basically took Taylor Hall's cap hit and signed five players for what they're paying Taylor Hall. That solved their salary cap problems for the most part. 
Um, but if they're going to deal for a player like Lindholm, like uh, Shifley, somebody significant, you're talking about either a defenseman or a goaltender going the other way. And if I'm the GM of the Boston Bruins, I would be trading Linus Allmark and not Jeremy Swayman. I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Allmark's at the highest point of his value. He just won the Vesna Trophy. He had a great season. You know, granted, he's had some struggles in the playoffs, but he's proven that he's an extremely solid goaltender. And he probably is never going to be as valuable as he is right now. And the $5 million cap hit for a guy that's won the Vezina is not a huge cap hit. That's a pretty reasonable number uh, that a lot of teams would be willing to take on. And I think there's a belief within the Bruins organization that Jeremy Swayman has what it, the tools to be a number one goalie. And I also think for them, that organization, there's something about like being able to puff out their drafted and developed players as becoming significant players for them. So I think they'd be really reticent, to be honest with you, to move Swayman because they drafted him, they developed him, he's their guy. And I think he's, he's younger and has shown the ability to really be a number one guy, a high ceiling with that player that I don't even think he's begin, began to touch and his numbers have been very good, even as a young goalie. Uh, so Allmark would be the guy I would move. I have not heard any word that either one of them are on the move. It seems like every signal that the Bruins are settling, uh, sending out is that they're settling on you know those two and they're ready to start the season with them. Now, are they – you know, playing poker, saying that, or is that the truth? That's always <laughs> difficult to tell. Uh, I, I do think uh, it makes more sense for a defenseman to be on the move if they were going to send somebody the other way. Matt Grizzlick is a guy that was mentioned a lot this offseason. He's a valuable guy that can move the puck, good, good offensive defenseman, a pretty good defensive defenseman for a smaller guy. But I do think there's a, a desire for the Bruins to get bigger along the back end and sort of follow the blueprint the teams like Vegas and, and Tampa have to win the, win the cup, which is every defenseman six foot two, 210, 220 pounds across the board. And, and Grizzlick is 5'9, 175 pounds. So, you know, I, I think that's a guy they would certainly talk about. And then beyond that, Derek Forbort's a guy that's been mentioned as well. And after that, Brandon Carlo, I think, would have value to a lot of teams, but I don't think that's a guy the Bruins want to give up. So no. it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But to, to your point, when you mentioned Shifley and Lindholm, if they're going to pick between the two, I think they'd rather have Lindholm than Shifley because he's maybe a little bit more of a traditional two-way center like uh, Bergeron was before he retired. Yeah, no, all great points. Uh, Joe Haggerty, Boston Hockey Now, joining us. So to get back to Swayman then, uh, because uh, his arbitration hearing was held on Sunday, there was an exchange of numbers. Uh, if Swayman gets close to what he wants, Joe, I think I'm reading the tea leaves right. That puts the Bruins over the cap. So then Don Sweeney's going to have to still do something else if they're going to start the season with all Mark and Swayman, correct? Well, it would depend on how close it was to Swayman's number. If it was very close to Swayman's number, which I don't, you know, if that could happen. That's kind of worst case scenario. Right. Uh, but, but they also, the projections have them right now with 3.1 million and a 23-man roster, right? So that's right. eight defensemen and 13 forwards. So I think they could make it work, even if it came closer to Swayman's number, by going with, like, one extra player, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when they started the season. So I think, theoretically, they could do it. Um, but I, I think what they're planning on and what they expect to happen is that it's going to be similar similar how Frederick was Kirishev's number i think comparable for swayman was Ilya samsonov and he got 3.5 million and i think that's what they're expecting yeah. and that's right in the middle of what the two sides were asking for so i suspect that's where it's going to come in and if that's the case you're talking about like uh ian mitchell starting in the minors or patrick right. brown or you know one of the extra guys off the roster and i think the bruins would be able to manage 
still not a lot of room for comfort there. They'd have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ca- salary cap space, which isn't a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think they could manage it. Um, yeah. But it would it would start to I, I, if if Swayman got a huge number, that would maybe change the calculus a little bit on yeah. potentially making a move with the goalie. Certainly, I think they would be thinking about it more. Well, if the arbitrator's hearing you talk about Jer- Jeremy Swayman, Joel, you know, <laughs> Jeremy should grease your palms hey, with, yeah, with a little I'll bit of dinner. They should hire me. You know, they, they should <laughs> I should hire you, Joel. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, us. Yeah. Hey, just, just before we let you go, Joel, I really appreciate you doing this, but uh, you know, it, it would be remiss of us if we didn't get you to weigh in on Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I know you did something on the podcast uh, a couple of days ago uh, on yeah. his legacy uh, with the Boston Bruins. And I'm always uh, a little bit uh, leery of saying, you know, one of the gr- one of the greatest leaders of all time, but certainly one of the greatest leaders of his generation. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that description, would they? No. And one of the greatest people uh, to be around, too. You know, like, the epitome of uh, a great player that's an even greater person. And that, that was Patrice Bergeron. That is Patrice Bergeron. Um, my first year covering the team was his rookie season. So I've been with him the entire run, uh, 19 years. I've seen it from the beginnings when he was an 18-year-old kid. He was the youngest kid in the league. He had just turned 18, basically, when he went to training camp and won that job as a, as a second-round pick. Um, I came out of nowhere, really. He wasn't expected to be anything at all. As most second-round picks are, you don't expect them to win, you know, NHL jobs uh, in, in their first training camp or in the first couple. And, you know, he did that. And he was an 18-year-old kid with peach fuzz and uh, was very shy, very unsure of his English, you know, very unsure of uh, – didn't really even talk that much at that point. But you could already see how special he was. You could see what he was doing at 18 with, in a grown men's league that was – a lot different in 2003 than it is now um, was, was special and, and sort of was uh, something to, to remark on and say, this kid's going to be something. And you could tell Mike Sullivan was the coach. The current Penguins coach was the Bruins coach back then. And you could tell every time you mentioned Bergeron that year uh, to him, he would get this weird smirk on his face <laughs> and you could see every time you asked it, he knew how great he was going to be. You know, you could see him as a hockey coach that the gears would start going in his head, just thinking about, you know, how, what the, the ceiling and the sky being the limit for him was. And it turned out to be, you know, one of the, the greatest, I think, two-way center of his generation, one of the greatest winners and the greatest leaders, but, but also a guy that, uh, you know, made sure everybody felt welcome in the Bruins dressing room, like went out of his way to help players. Jamel Smith played three games with the Boston Bruins, yet Patrice Bergeron had a lasting impact on his life because he could tell Jamel Smith was going through something when he first got to the Bruins. And Patrice helped steer him towards talking to uh, some team staff that got him the help that he needed because he was going through a rough patch. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy he was for everybody, team employees, media, players. Like everybody has a Patrice Bergeron story of how meaningful uh, he made them feel, how uh, he would take time out to, to see how they were doing, and he made everybody feel welcome. And, you know, I, I'm just happy. I have a son that plays hockey. He's nine years old, and he plays center. And I'm just happy he got to – see Bergeron play for a few years and have me a bunch of times say, look what he's doing right here. This is exactly how you want to play and see my son do some of that stuff on the ice. And I actually, that eloquent uh, retirement speech that he wrote that you're talking about, I read the whole thing when it came out to my son right next to me, uh, you know, because I want him to hear word for word what Bergeron said, because I thought it was that special. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great news for people in Boston. He's going to stick around here in the community, at least for the next year, hopefully long-term, but, yeah. You know, what an awesome person to cover. I, I feel really lucky to have covered him for 20 years. 
Well said, Joe, as always. Uh, thanks a bunch for doing this, and uh, we'll look forward to touching base with you once uh, uh, the puck drops and everybody's back at work, not just the guys at Boston Hockey now. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We'll keep grinding away in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just before you go, Joe, just on Bergeron, I think one of the greatest things you can do for a hockey player is say not just hockey, like in the city of Boston, he's one of their favorite athletes. He was the face of, the, of Boston sports for the last, like, five or so years. Um, and after, that's not uh, easy to do in a town like that. That's hard to do in a town like that, to be that magnitude of, a, of an athlete, and he really was. Yeah, and he's beloved uh, by the city, and he always will be. And, you know, it speaks to you have to win to, to be that kind of a guy, which they did when they won the Cup of 2011. You have to be a great player, which he was. You have to stick with the same team basically for your whole career, which almost never happens now. So many of the things that point to greatness, Patrice Bergeron was all about, and that's why he has that standing in Boston. All right, Joe, thanks a bunch for doing this, and we will, again, as I mentioned, talk to you soon. That's Joe Haggerty of Boston Hockey Now. Just a, a great guest to, to have on the show for all things Boston Bruins. Come back and wrap things up. I promised we mentioned those last few <laughs> arbitration hearings that are scheduled because there's a couple of interesting ones still to go there. When we come back to finish things up here on Jets at Noon. Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB. Oh, we had such an engaging conversation with Joe Haggerty. Uh, we only have just a couple of minutes on the back end of the show here and uh, uh, only have a phone number, so I can't identify the texter at 204-780-6868, but brought up what we were just talking about off the air, Jim, how good Bergeron was in that 2004-05 World Junior Tournament in Grand Forks. And I agree with the texter, the greatest Canadian junior team of all time. I agree, too, the greatest team of all time that I've ever Canadian seen. Junior Canadian junior team. Canadian, yeah. I've ever seen. And then, as you pointed out, with Sidney Crosby, right? Like, that's oh, yeah. kind of been Bergeron until... Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's... Shea Weber. <laughs> he's kind of been that guy that came in around these other massive names. Yeah. And as he leaves 19 years later, he is by far and away the best two-way all-round. And some people debated this, and I'll be quick here, but and I think it's a great debate. The best all-round hockey player of all time? Right. I, I would say that's a fair debate to have. It is, yeah. Maybe you could rename it the Bergeron Trophy uh, uh, down the road. Uh, Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks scheduled for arbitration tomorrow. Morgan Barron was supposed to go, but of course uh, he came to terms uh, with the Winnipeg uh, Jets. Uh, Ryan McLeod of the Edmonton Oilers uh, and uh, uh, Drew O'Connor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Philip Gustafson was also supposed to go in, but he settled with the Minnesota Wild yesterday. Yeah. Three years at 3.75. So that's it. For arbitration, we're waiting to see what happens with Jeremy Swayman. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.